47th Bible Conference of Bogalusa, Louisiana. I stand here tonight and a lot of memories flood my soul. And uh, I'm going to tell off a little bit on myself tonight in the beginning. I left Bible school in the middle of the year in 1970. Wanting to preach so bad, I really wanted to preach worse than I wanted to eat. Went home, back to West Texas. Somebody told me that they were having a Bogalusa Bible Conference down here. That was in 1971. I had a 63 six-cylinder Chevy, white with red interior that I shined on every day. And I got in that thing trusting God. It smoked a little bit going across town. We've always been against smoking. And I, I thought I'd trust it to come all the way across Texas and all the way across Louisiana without even being invited. I just wanted to come down here and see if I could meet somebody and see if somebody would ask me to go preach for them. My dad's not a preacher. My mom's not a preacher. Wasn't raised in a minister's home. So I came to Bogalusa. And uh, somehow I got to preach in the youth service. I can still remember what I preached. You wouldn't want to hear it. Because I hadn't preached it since. it wasn't what you want to ride home to West Texas about. And uh, you guessed it, I went home without anybody asking me to preach. Boy, it was a short trip down here, but it was a long way home. And uh, I got back out to West Texas, and evidently God started working on some hearts and God began to bless my ministry and I guess I preached probably in this conference 15 years ago in Bogalusa I counted it up I must have preached my seventh sermon right here my seventh 15 years later I'm a highly honored young man to get to stand here and to attempt to preach to you this week. I'm going to be just straight with you tonight. The Holy Ghost is already in this place. And if Jesus can just get me tuned up, we're liable to have a time here this week. I want to thank Brother Cox this fine church I want to thank them for the invitation I know that this has to be approved through the board for something like this brother Tenney called it the midwinter camp meeting 
And I appreciate the confidence of the district board and Brother Tenney, Brother Cooley, and the fine brethren, Brother Simpkins, ministers of the district board that allowed me to come. I'm going to give everything I've got to you this week. I'm not going to hold anything back. I have come to this meeting hungry. I have come to this meeting thirsty. I hope there's not a lot of lobbying going on during church. I hope we can come in here hungry for a move of God. Let's treat this like a church service, not like a convention. Let's everybody come on in. Jesus is in the building, and he's wanting to do some miracles in this place here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good to be with Brother Crabtree, great friend of mine, and a man who does a lot of talking in his humility factor of not being able to do some things with some people. But I want you to know something. You'll not hear any better Bible teaching in the daytime than you're going to hear from Brother O.C. Crabtree. I'm going to set at his feet daily because I want to hear from the Word of the Lord. And then these night services, we can just all come together and worship God. And uh, after having steak in the day, it wouldn't be bad to have a little salad at night. And we can go home filled with the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. All the ministers that are here, God bless you. You just make my heart so proud that you're here. And uh, I say that with the right kind of proud. But I'm glad to see you here. A lot of my friends, Brother Kevin Cox, who is on the youth committee, came and picked me up today. And uh, I am very thankful that he was a safe driver. We came through six speed traps and saw two wrecks. Not the aftermath of wrecks, folks. We saw two wrecks. We saw them develop. One of them, we pulled up first and asked if, uh, we wanted, they wanted to take a name. We wanted to be a witness. And uh, nobody wanted our name, so we drove on. And the second one, I gave the man an ovation because he did such a dumb stunt. I thought he needed a hand clap. <laughs> he came to an intersection where there was a big pile of dirt and thought he was going to do a half fishtail and turn it around. And the car just went straight, and he just went right in the middle of the dirt. <laughs> Didn't hurt anything but his pride. And I thought he'd need the ovation. Come to find out, he was trying to show off in front of a girlfriend. He needed two ovations. <laughs> I'm glad Brother Cox got me here. Thank God. Amen. Well, it's great to see you, and it's great to feel God. Good to see Sister Tenney tonight. Good to see Brother and Sister Hale. Great people that we were on the youth committee with many, many moons ago. And uh, they are in the Louisiana district now. Of course, it's great to be with your superintendent, Brother Tenney, your district secretary, Brother Cooley, 
and uh, it's just wonderful to be here with you tonight. I kind of feel like Moses felt one day when the Lord said, I'm going to put you in a place by me in the cleft of the rock. And Moses made a statement that many people have misinterpreted when he said, Lord, show me thy glory. I do not believe that Moses was any more inhuman than what we are. I believe he was just as human as I am. Some people said that Moses saw the glory of the Lord 1,500 years later on the Mount of Transfiguration and his prayer was finally answered. I don't buy that doctrine. I don't believe a man prayed screaming in agony on a mountain and saying, Lord, if you'll just show it 1,500 years later, it'll be all right. I believe he was right in the middle of a dilemma. He said, Lord, I won't go another step until I see your glory. And I feel that way tonight. I don't want God's blessings 1,500 years down the road. I want God to show himself strong in this place tonight. We are in a great position in Pentecost, and we need to hear from God as never before. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I would like to have a little accompaniment, if I could, until I read my scripture every night. I'm sorry I did not get here early enough to talk with the musicians. God has been dealing with me here lately. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I evangelized from 71 when somebody finally asked me to preach until 75. I was married in 72. God blessed us with two beautiful children, a little girl who is now 11, a little boy who is now in heaven. And uh, went to take a church in 1975 in Dallas, Texas. Pastored there for exactly seven years, November of 75 until November of 82 was elected in 1982 to be the National Youth President in October, resigned our church and left on a Sunday in November, exactly seven years after we had taken the church. We are in St. Louis now. I am married to Sister Patty, used to be Jones. I still have a beautiful little 11-year-old girl I've got a gorgeous little two-year-old girl that's going to be here tomorrow night with her mama. And uh, we've got another one coming. Yes, that's right. Ball-headed men can be daddies. <laughs> and I have just moved out of the conqueror's age had a birthday three weeks ago, turned 36. But they passed a rule when I was voted in that I could serve till I was 40. So I guess you can call what I'm doing right now a record breaker. 36 years old and serving as a youth president. I'm very happy to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church.
This is all I know. It's my life. You have made me what I am. You have taught me. I was born, bred, raised in the church. Got the Holy Ghost at nine, baptized when I was seven. Love God. God's been good. So I want to qualify what I want to say tonight by what I just told you. Because I want to preach to you tonight. If I don't say anything else the rest of this week, I want to preach to this congregation tonight. Because I've been with Jesus and I've heard from him. And I want to say what I feel in the Holy Ghost to be the will of God in this place. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the Song of Solomon. You're hearing tonight. Once again, please allow me to say how honored I am, how privileged I am to be here. Thank you, Brother Cox, Louisiana District Board. Song of Solomon, chapter number two. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house. And his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons. Comfort me with apples. For I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head. And his right hand doth embrace me. I want to take my text tonight from verse number five of chapter number two. Stay me with flagons. Comfort me with apples. For I am sick of love. If I would have a subject to preach to you tonight, I'd like to call this simply the message from the banqueting house. Or I could call this simply the old orchard. The old orchard. With God's help, I'd like for our superintendent to step up here and pray the prayer of anointing tonight. And I'd like for you to join him. Brother Tenney, would you come pray? Father, we thank you that the anointing is here. We avail ourselves of what is already here. The promises of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. We accept that. We stand on it. This man is anointed. And we shall hear the word of the Lord. We are anointed. We shall hear the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name.
I guess everyone in the study of Scripture has what you deem as a favorite character. You have what you call the best, the best characters you enjoy preaching after. You have what you call the most intriguing characters to preach. And you have some that you consider characters of doom and despair. And I guess as far as some of our ministries are concerned, that once you set a pattern by which a certain person or a character in the Bible comes into focus in your life study, he's usually attached with a stigma that remains on him until maybe you read a book or you read something that changes your ideology and your thinking pattern of that individual. It's the same in life. Many times first impressions are hard to overcome. When you see an individual and you look at him and you observe he or she, and you set a course in your mind and a thought pattern in your mind of that is the kind of person they're going to be in my thinking. It takes a lot of doing many times on that person's part to reconstruct and rebuild images and reputations that you have set and you have built it. So it is with study sometime of Scripture. There is many times in my thinking certain chapters, certain books that I have shied from because of the connotation, the pattern of study that I felt was not right, was not appropriate for my type ministry. But the Lord has got a hold of my heart. The Lord has begun speaking to my soul and manners that I trust I can get across to you this week in this Bible conference. One of the studies that I have been intrigued with in the past few months and even years has been the study of Solomon's song. You see, Solomon, I guess, was one of the most intriguing characters that ever filled the page of God's holy writ. He was an intriguing man. A man when he had anything in the world that he could ask for and God would give him. Ask for wisdom to be able to deal with people. What a precious gift a man can receive from God. But there came a time, according to history, that Solomon was fed up with the situations of his kingdom. The man had many, many hundred wives, several hundred concubines, a man that at the snap of his finger could command any woman that was under his namesake 
they would come to him and serve him in any manner. Yet there was something battering Solomon's brain that bothered him immensely in the wee hours of the morning because something about Solomon's situation was something that he wrestled with daily. He felt that every bride that took on his name, every concubine that served him as he was their master and they his servant, he felt as if every one of them served him and loved him for what he could give them and not for what he was. So history bears out that Solomon one day in a stupor of sickness, wanting to find somebody in the kingdom that would just love him for what he was and not what he could do, took the robes of royalty off his back, took the crown and stashed it on a shelf, pulled off his slippers, took the golden sash from around his waist, and put on common, ordinary, everyday garments. Went on a swayback donkey looking for work in the villages that surrounded the city of God. And yes, he got on with the Shunammite. He found somebody that would hire him. He went on as a shepherd and he hired on as a man that could tend sheep. And the story goes that Solomon tended those sheep and he took care of them and he watched over them and he, and he tended them to the best of his ability. Yet the man that he went to work for had a beautiful daughter that fell in love in due time with the shepherd man. And in her course of time and in Solomon's course of working as a commoner, they fell in love, were betrothed to one another, espoused to one another. And she, not knowing that she had fallen in love with the king of Israel, and he, not wanting to expose himself of his real identity, left her and told her the good tidings, get yourself ready for I will come back and receive you and you shall go and live with me and we shall be happy forever. When he left that day, history bears that he left the same way that he came, not in splendor, not in glorious apparel, but on a donkey in servant's garments and the little Shunammite bride-to-be Woo, hallelujah, waited in expectation for the shepherd man to come again. She was waiting for the wedding day with bated breath and with a palpitating heart and with a heart that said, please come sooner than you said you would come. One day, while standing on the front porch, such a beautiful love story is unfolding here. She looks down the road and there coming down the road is her lover. But something's changed in his visage. Something's changed in his appearance. Something's changed in his manner. 
He's not coming with servant's garments now. He's not coming with a shepherd's staff now. He's not coming with a low humility approach now. But he's the same face. He's the same figure. But now he's coming in a golden chariot. Now he's got king's garments on. Now there's a crown on his head. There's steeds pulling the chariot. And he's got servants walking beside him. He's not coming as a shepherd. But he's coming as a king. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. I want you to imagine, if you can imagine, I want you to get a hold of it. If you can, a little barefoot, living on bare, rugged floors and, 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 and earth floors, thatched roof, little bride-to-be, looking down a road, thinking a sway-back donkey is going to be the vehicle of the honeymoon. And what she sees is a man clothed in the finest raiment, is a man clothed in the most sumptuous wear, is a man with the few most beautiful steeds in Israel pulling his chariot. He's coming for a bride that loved him for just what he was. I'd say something tonight, just interject this. Tonight I got the Holy Ghost. I didn't ask him to do anything special for me. I didn't ask for any special garments. I didn't ask for any special promotions. I didn't ask for no jobs in the organization. I didn't ask for no fine cars. I didn't ask for fine clothes. I just fell in love with the shepherd that loved me for what I was. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, I never shall forget the day when all the burdens of my heart Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he sweeps her up. Can you imagine, Daddy, for the Shunammite bride? Can you imagine Papa's eyes when he sees a barefoot daughter get into a golden chariot? <laughs> Can you see his hands start coming together? And he said, My, my, my. I didn't know you married the bank. I thought you married the boy, not the bank. What'd you get a hold of here, honey? But see, the beautiful story is that Solomon wanted somebody that would just love him for what he was and not what he could do. You know what I would like to happen in this Bible conference this week? what I'd like to happen I'd like for us to get back to just loving Jesus for who he is 
is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the ending. He is the first, the last. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the Lily of the Valley. He is the Bride. her this work yes sir he sweeps her off of her feet her bare feet and he takes her to a palace of purple and gold and fine array something she had never been used to brother Cox she's living a brand new life now and he takes her to the fitting room and said take off those clothes hon I got some queen's garments for you to put on. You're going to be the first lady of Israel. See if this crown fits, darling. Try these shoes on. See how they fit. <laughs> you like them? Oh, Solomon. That's the way we acted when we first got in the church. I can't. My God, I can't believe it. All oh, is happening so fast. It's taking place so quick. My God, what's happening? You know what the Bible says? We have become kings and priests under God. I'm going to tell you something. Ye that had nothing, you that were walking barefoot in a world of sin, that didn't have anything but a bare roof over your head, now have been brought into this marvelous light. You have been baptized by His Spirit. You have been adopted by the King of Kings. I'm going to tell you something. Get ready, saint of God. Get ready. Because one of these days, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the king is coming. Hear me, Jerusalem. He's not coming on a donkey. He's not coming with palm branches and coats. He's coming on a white stallion. He's coming as a king of kings and a lord of love. Life changes fast in the church. Things I used to love, I now hate. That's a quick change. 
things I used to hate, I now love. That's a quick change. It's like taking off old garments, putting on new. I mean, it's just an abrupt turnaround, a 180. We're going the other direction. But can I preach to you tonight? See, I didn't come here to just jump and holler and shout. I came to preach this conference. And Brother Johnson's got something to say here now. Solomon wants to honor this woman. You don't find him throwing a banquet for no other wife, but he throws one for this one. He throws a feast for her. Bible said, she, he brought me to a banqueting house. He wanted to show me off to the whole country of Israel and the surrounding areas because this woman loved me for what I was not what I could do. And he even put a banner over her that said love. Nobody had ever had that kind of treatment. And here's a little woman, Brother Kevin, that a year ago didn't even have shoes. Slap on a dirt floor in a shepherd's home. And now she's got maids that put shoes on her feet. She's got another one that puts a robe on her back. Please stay with me. She's got another one that fans her when she's warm and find ways to warm her cold body when she's cold. Anything she wants is at the beck and call of the snap of a finger. Because she's queen now. She's queen now. She's not a servant's daughter anymore. She's not a barefooted Shunammite anymore. She's a queen. She comes to the banqueting house. Hila Sotiamaha. And that banner's looking at her. And all of a sudden, something gets a hold of her heart, Brother Tenny. The crown on her head gets heavy. Her heart is overcharged. Because she says, I don't deserve this kind of treatment. I was a nobody. And he made me a somebody. And maybe in the last year, she has gotten a little heady and high-minded. And she has gotten a little uppity feeling because she's queen now. And she's no longer a servant. She's a queen. And now she stands in a banqueting hall and people are bowing and doing obeisance to her. Hail, queen of Israel. And the king is calling her name. 
and the maidens are fanning her. And there's all kinds of beautiful king's food and all kinds of king's things. And all of a sudden, something happens to her that I hope will happen to Bogalusa this week. She gets to thinking, standing in a banqueting house about yesterday. It happened to her right in the midst of a ceremony to honor her. She gets to thinking about yesterday. And she makes this statement so plain it grieves my heart. She says, stay me with flagons. Comfort me with apples. For I am sick of love. To understand that scripture, you got to understand what flagons are. See, flagons are servants' food. It's nothing more than raisin cakes that the poor people eat in Israel. It's not king's food. It's servants' food. It's not big-time ceremony. It's mama's kitchen ceremony. It's not the big hierarchy of a king's palace. It's small-time living in mama's kitchen. And she says, comfort me with apples. That had to be a dad that had an orchard, an old Shunammite father. <laughs> that just a simple old common man that raised apples out yonder somewhere. And maybe every day there used to be little girl of barefooted means would walk through the orchard and take one of the old apples from dad's old orchard and just eat it. What we call, Brother Crabtree, simple living. Can I open my heart to you right now? I am so honored to be here tonight. The honors that have come to a commoner son are too numerous for me to count. You have put crowns on my head that I don't deserve. You have given me positions that I don't merit. All I ever wanted to do was just be a preacher and just love people and just try to save the lost. But something's happened to me and to Pentecost that I want to preach about tonight. We have moved from an area of a servant to an area of crown wearers. And it takes a certain kind of bank 
banquet with certain kind of food and just the right surrounding to sometimes make us happy. When we got in this thing, bare floors were good enough. When we got in it, just tending sheep was good enough. When we got in it, raisin cakes were good enough. And the old orchard was good enough. Brother Penny, I may mess up the whole week right now, but I'm fixing to bear my heart. I am fed up in my spirit with the egomania that is wrapping Pentecost like horrible tentacles of the devil. I think we've come to a place where it has to be the right kind of preaching, where it has to be the right kind of singing, where it has to be just right, it has to be just perfect, it has to be just in order. My God, take me back to the old orchard. Take me back to Mama's Raisin Cake. Come on, hallelujah. How long has it been since you've worshiped just because he's Lord, just because he saved you? I jumped up from the altar, Brother Kenny. I just a little old kid in a church running 25 in West Texas, Brother Yoy. Just a little old fella. When I jumped up from that altar, it's amazing how pretty everybody is when you just get the Holy Ghost. Boy, ain't it amazing. I do believe I had the ugliest Sunday school teacher that was ever born of man and woman. I just believe the woman just invented ugly. God love her. She needed all kinds of surgery to help her face. And needed to have to start on the body after that. But you know what? When I got the Holy Ghost, you know who the first person I wanted to go hug, Brother Brassel? You know who it was? I wanted to go hug old Sister Woodall. My God, I looked at her, and I actually thought I saw a glow around her face and a halo around her. And I actually thought that there were wings on her back. I've never seen a more beautiful woman in all of my life. You know why? Because I had just been espoused to a shepherd that loved me for what But you know, in the last four or five years, you know, the old devil says, boy, you've advanced now. You're a big preacher now. And I go to conferences, and I hear a message, and I say, oh, I don't like that part. And I don't like that part. And I disagree with that part. And I don't like that. And the crown got heavy. 
and the crown got heavy. And I got to thinking, oh God, where am I? Am I a king or am I a servant? scripture somewhere in the book that still says to the pure all things are pure and there's a beatitude that says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God I'd like to go back to Level End tonight. Boy, I'd like to go back to Level End this week. When I came here 15 years ago, every preacher was an angel. Every saint was somebody special. Take me back to raisin cakes. Feed me with apples from the old orchard. For I'm sick of all this. I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to hurt myself tonight, but that's all right. I've come to preach my heart. I'm fed up with politics and Pentecost. I'm fed up with it. Hallelujah. I'm fed up with this business of how many backs you can stroke means how many votes you can get. Come on now. I'm fed up with this business. I've just ate too many King's meals, see? That's why I say I'm fed up. I'd like to have mama's raisin cakes tonight and daddy's old orchard. I'd like to go back to simplicity. You know what I'd like to go back to? I'd like to go back to where church meant coming to worship God. And coming to hear the word of God. Not trying to size one another up. Not trying to compare ourselves with ourselves. Come on, saint of God. Politics can get in the church. It can get in the church. You're no better than no other church. You've been saved by the same grace of God that I've been saved with. Come on, Bogalusa. Come on, Bogalusa. Come on, Covington. Come on, New Orleans. Come on, surrounding states. Let's lay down our weapons. Let's lay down our crowns. Let's go back to the old orchard. You know, there's something about revival. 
just brings us all on the same level, Brother Crabtree. We need a gully washing revival. <laughs> I got a book about the old church of the United Brethren. They've gone as formal as anything in the world today. But in their heyday, in their 50 years of heyday, when revival swept their communities in barns, nothing. It was nothing for young men to come up and grab elders' coattails, just wanting a touch of the portion of spirit that God had for that congregation. Hallelujah. It was nothing for young men to come up and say, Elder, lay hands on my head and pray for me. I want to submit myself. I want to be a servant. I don't want to be your peer. But to do that, to do that in our environments means we're little. Hallelujah. <laughs> it means we're little. It means we've cast off our kingly garments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we hungering and thirsting after righteousness? If we are, we shall be filled. I can remember when preachers were the first at the altar in an altar called account meeting. But now, we don't want nobody to think that we may have sin or trouble in our life. So we wait. I'm not trying to correct everything, folks. I'm just saying I'm sick of all this. And I'd just like to go back to leveling. I made a trip back there about four years ago, Brother Crabtree. I preached my first sermon there. Got the Holy Ghost there. Pastor's built a new church. And he's got the old pulpit. I preached my first sermon behind. Brother Braswell, I preached if thou canst believe. <laughs> Boy, it was a dud. 
but I wish sometime. That the honesty and the sincerity was still a part like it was then. Maybe I'm telling you more about myself than I need, but I think it's time to get honest. I saw that altar, Brother Yoy, but I got the Holy Ghost there. I went over to it and showed my wife. I said, honey, I got it right here. I preached from behind this pulpit. That was a spirit that came over me that I hadn't felt in a long time. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, if you can live in this attitude, you can be blessed all the days of your life. But the day you leave this attitude is the day you're going to leave behind my blessings and you're going to walk on your own two feet. to our church in Dallas, Texas, 1979. Our church had blossomed, Brother Tenney. I went there. I lived in the back of the church. I drew a curtain over the hall so I could have some privacy going from the office that was going to be my bedroom to the fellowship hall that was my living room and dining room. And I preached to a church in 79 that had over 200 members had grown from 15 members in four years. One Sunday afternoon, God turned me inside out. And he said, boy, if I made you, would you be willing to go back to 15 and to start all over? Would you be willing to go back to simplicity and get out of this honored position that you're in as a pastor? died that day. I preached this sermon to my church that night. Hadn't preached it in many years. 1986 now. I preached this sermon two times since 1979. But God's got a hold of my heart here lately. And I don't want to have an ego. I don't want to be a political wonder in the fellowship. And I don't want to be a kingly preacher. I just want to go back to raising cakes. I want to go back to the old orchard. And I just want to love God in simplicity. Because he loved me when I was unlovable. amazing. I'm going to close here in just a little bit. It's amazing the levels that Jesus puts people on when he passes their way. It was on the same road to Jericho that he found a man named Bartimaeus one day that was in a ditch beside the road begging for healing. Blind he was screaming, have mercy on me, thou son of David. And Brother Hale, the Lord went to him, and he healed his blind eyes and took him out of the ditch. 
and put him on the highway. Stay right there. It was on that same road. He passed one day and there was a man, not in a ditch, but in a tree. A man named Zacchaeus. An upper and a down and outer. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, if you're going to abide with me and me with you, you've got to come down out of the tree. And Zacchaeus came down. And isn't it amazing, a blind man in a ditch, a proud man in a tree, were brought together by one common bond called Jesus. This Bible conference don't need any better preaching than what it's going to have. It just needs Jesus to walk into it right now. And Brother Saint, if you're up yonder somewhere in a tree thinking you're better than everybody else, you got to come on down if he's going to abide with you. And young man, young lady, if you think that nobody cares for you and you're blinded to the revival that God wants to give, I'm here to tell you Jesus is in the building for you tonight too. Come on out of the ditch. Come on out of the tree. It's time for the egos and the down and outers to come together. It's time to have revival in Louisiana. God, get the proud spirit out of us. God, get the haughty look out of us. God, make us appreciate where you brought us from. You know, it's amazing that Eglon sat on the throne in Israel one day. The man of Moab sat on the throne in Israel. When all the Moabites wanted to do to Israel when they are in the wilderness, it's tied them. Isn't it amazing the things that want you to serve it now that wouldn't even bless you when you were lost? Isn't it amazing some of you never had a penny till you came to know the Lord? And now you got a bunch of money, and you want to get haughty, and you want to hold back on God, and everything you've got, He gave it to you. An Eglon of materialism is sitting on the throne, and He fought you when you didn't know God, and when you went in your wilderness. And you were looking for hope and looking for a promised land. He wasn't there. But now he wants everything you've got. Come on. Come on, Pentecost. Let's change hands. Let's change hands. We're not going to get it done with his hand. We're not going to make it by might and by power. And by stair steps. And by egocentrics, 
We're not going to make it by this hand. We're going to have to make it with left-handed tactics by His Spirit. I'm here to tell you something. We don't have good enough preaching to bring His glory. We don't have good enough singing to bring revival. We're going to have to fall back on simplicity of prayer and hunger and wanting the simple things of life. I close tonight. God's grace. I was talking to a great friend of mine the other day. See, I was I was raised in Sundown, Texas. Now where that is? I couldn't really describe it because it's between Whiteface and Sudan. It's west of Leveland, 45 miles southwest of Lubbock. Now you're getting recognition, maybe. It's 400 miles due west of a city called Dallas. Sundown, Texas was a unique little town. Had one traffic light right in the middle of town. One. And it just blinked. And the odd part about it was both sides blinked yellow. There was no red light. You understand that? There was no stop in sundown. All we had was yields. I can't remember a stop sign just yield signs. 895 people. I used to walk the streets of sundown. When I lived in Dallas, it took me 35, 40 minutes to go across town. It took me that long to go across sundown walking. Sundown, Texas. We had a constable that come to see us once a week on Saturday. Wasn't no need for no law. Everybody just loved everybody. Sundown. We had a doctor that visited once a week on Friday. In fact, his office was right by our house in Sundown. <laughs> we had one fire truck. And it wasn't started in such a long time that when there was a fire one day, it wouldn't even crank. Things were just mighty peaceful in sundown. You could walk home from school at sundown without the worry of some deranged, maniac, perverted person picking you up. Sundown was a great little town to be raised in. And I look back, I look back on it now, and now I understand why everybody could wave at everybody. And everybody loved everybody. The simple reason was everybody that was in that town had one common denominator. It was called oil. It was a little oil town. 
and everybody that worked there was in oil business that lived there. The thing I remember most about Sundown was that there was no country club drive and there was no ghettos. Everybody was just kind of in the same boat, working to make a living. Some days I'd like to visit Sundown again physically. I intend to go this summer because it means a lot to me in my childhood to go back there again. But greater than that, I wish something could happen to the United Pentecostal Church. I wished all of us could get one common denominator moving among us call revival and I wished it would take us from the jet set elite group from the ghettos and bring us together I wish we could all take our crowns off our heads just long enough to say take me back to simplicity I'd just like to go back and look through tear-stained eyes when everybody was beautiful and when I wasn't trying to find anything wrong with anybody. This may not be what you look for in the first night of a sermon of a Bible conference, but I've given you my heart tonight. Yes, we're going to see a king someday but we hadn't made it yet. And I wish that we could just get fed up with the complicated life of our day just long enough to eat some of the old orchard and taste of some of Mama's raisin cakes one more time. Why don't we forget who we are the rest of this week and just come forgetting names and faces just to worship one face and one name. Why don't we come and quit trying to read into every sermon things that don't even fit? Why don't we just open up our heart and say, even Sister Woodall's pretty, and I want to hug and love everybody because I want to be saved. Come on, Pentecostals. Let's forget prestige. Let's forget country clubs. Let's forget jet setting. And let's get back to simplicity. Just worship Jesus. Love one another. And have a common denominator called revival. Let's do it again. Let's have one more Azusa Street. Let's have another Stones Folly. Let's have another turn of the century. Let's let all things be common again. Let's have a second chapter of Acts. Let's go back to the old orchard. And constables won't have to come around. And doctor's visits will be slim. And the fire truck won't have to start. Because we're going to be at peace and harmony with one another and with our God. Can we stand?
Hallelujah. Why don't you reach over there and take that person's hand next to you? I don't really know what to do right now. I just know I feel a heavenly touch in my being right now. Why don't you pray for that person next to you? And whatever complication the devil would want to beset them with, pray that God will take them back to raisin cakes and old orchards. Pray that simplicity will invade Pentecost and that we won't be beset with egos, political maneuvers, but we'll be beset by a common denominator called revival, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm going to open up this altar tonight if you want to pray. Saint of God, preacher friend of mine, I love you all. I've been as honest as I know how to be tonight. I've opened my heart to you. I'll preach every night if you'll let me in the Holy Ghost. But somehow, we've got to get away from this big time business, from this stair stepology of trying to be somebody to man. And we got to get back to simplicity of a shepherd and a servant and a shepherd and a man of God. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Anybody want to come pray? Anybody want to come pray? Just simple things of life, God. Take me back to basic Pentecost simplicity. Where everybody is somebody. And nobody's a nobody. Do you want that in your life? This altar's open. The front of this church is open. Would you come? Would you come? If you don't want to come down here, would you kneel where you are tonight? Would you kneel where you are tonight? I'm asking you in Jesus' name. Would you find a place to pray? Just for a little while, would you find a place to pray where you are? Kneel at your seat. Bow at your pew. Put your head over the pew in front of you, whatever. But find a place to pray. Come on, Pentecostals, we need to accept one another. Hallelujah. A man's spirit to make a place for him. Not what he's got, but his spirit. Come on, in Jesus' name, let's touch him. Touch him, touch him, touch him.
someone by the hand. Lead them down to the front of this auditorium tonight. Lead them back to the orchestra. Bring them back to the simple way of life. Bring them back to some of the places that they used to be. Take someone by the hand. Don't be ashamed. Bring them on back. Let them come back and taste of that heavenly gift one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 